You're listening to Hope, the Advocacy and Empowerment Podcast. Join us as we break the silence and discuss a wide range of topics from domestic and sexual violence to self-care techniques. This podcast is provided to you by the Women's Center Incorporated of Southern Illinois, serving survivors of sexual and domestic violence since 1972. All services are free and confidential. Before we jump in, a note on our content. Here on the HOPE podcast, we discuss a wide range of topics, including depictions of sexual and domestic violence. We understand that these are topics that some may find disturbing, so please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to take a break. Whenever you're feeling ready and able, we hope you'll join us. Hello, everybody listening. My name is Erin Fry, and I am the Harrisburg Medical Legal Advocate. Uh, And today you are listening to the HOPE podcast. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a few different things. Uh, I think mostly we're going to talk about Child Abuse Awareness Month. We're also going to talk a little bit about our domestic violence program. So today we have Rachel Brenningmeyer and Rose Berkman here today. Uh, I don't know who wants to go first. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves, maybe we'll start with Rachel. So Rachel, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Thank you so much for having us here, Erin. It's it's a real pleasure. It's going to be a lot of fun. So like you said, my name is Rachel Brenningmeyer. I am the Harrisburg child or domestic violence child counselor and advocate. And I serve um, Saline County, Gallatin County, Johnson County, um, basically the Southern counties that we serve here at the Women's Center. And Rose, you're, you're the same thing. You want to go? Yeah, um, like Rachel said, I'm also a domestic violence child counselor slash advocate. I serve uh, the remaining counties. uh, (laughs) So that's Jackson, Union, Williamson, Perry, and... uh, That's okay. It's eight counties total, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about uh, mostly child abuse aware. Uh, is it child abuse awareness month or is it prevention month? It's recently been changed to child abuse prevention month. Okay, great. Any? Uh, do you know why the change, or was it just something they decided to do? I think the idea is that you know we're all aware that it's a thing, um, but the effort can be made now to prevent it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for telling me and explaining. So we'll kind of go ahead and get started then. So whoever would like to, um, so what exactly is child abuse prevention month and why do we wear blue? Whoever would like to speak first, feel free to hop on in. Rose, you want to, you want to take it away on this one? Sure. Um, well, child abuse prevention month is a time when we do try to raise awareness of the issues of child abuse and focus on ways that we can prevent it. And that includes having, you know, blue ribbons around and doing events where we involve families and we talk to schools and we try to educate the community. Prevent Child Abuse Illinois is is our umbrella organization that organizes a lot of that. 
Um, and we wear blue because that was the color of the ribbon created by uh, a grandmother who lost her grandson to child abuse. Uh, it symbolizes the the bruises and the battering of, of children. Although we do know that child abuse is, doesn't always look like bruises. Wow, yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Rose. I mean, I think it's such a big deal to just bring awareness to know this these issues and it's so good that we can come together and and you know just kind of talk about it and and uh, talk about those hard things I know can be really difficult sometimes to talk to and talk about so um Rose if you don't mind answering this question then uh and then maybe we'll switch over to Rachel um so how many children are affected by abuse or neglect do you have any numbers uh, that you'd like to share or anything like that I believe in Illinois uh one in ten children uh, will be reported to have experienced child abuse or neglect. Um, that's a lot of our kids. That's a lot of our kids. Um, and the Department of Children and Family Services in 2019 conducted almost 87,000 investigations. They had 268,000 calls um, and that year, 18 and a half thousand kids ended up in, in custody because they were living in homes that were unsafe for them. Wow. Like, it's so crazy to think that the numbers are that high, but I guess it's also not surprising as well. And you said those were just for Illinois statistics, right? Yes. Okay. So that's not even worldwide. Wow. That's, those are crazy numbers to think about. I found a statistic that was um, U.S.-wide for just 2014 alone. State agencies found over 702,000 victims of child abuse in that year alone, and that is a number that would pack 10 modern football stadiums. So just in that one year alone. Wow. So. And we, we don't have the data on this, but we can be fairly certain that with COVID and with kids not being seen by those who are mandated reporters um, or just by the community in general, um, that those numbers may be going up in, you know, in silence. Yeah, COVID just kind of adds a whole new level of complexity, I feel. Um, now, I know we are kind of, I think, on the up and up from COVID, but it is, you know, still crazy to think about how that has impacted child abuse. So maybe switching gears just a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of listeners, they think to themselves, well, what can I do about child abuse or neglect? You know, if I suspect it, we are all mandated reporters. And so we have a different role whenever it comes to child abuse. But maybe to our listeners who don't who aren't necessarily mandated reporters, what's something that they can do about child abuse or neglect if it's something that they suspect? Um, well, if it's something if, if they have evidence of it, you can call the hotline. Um, I'll give that number a little bit later and ask, ask the kids. They may not want to disclose. It's very hard for kids to disclose sometimes because these are their parents. That's a generalization, of course. It's not always the parents, but 
these are people who care, who are their caregivers, who they love. And that is a very complicated relationship if they're also causing them harm. And some kiddos, you know, can't even conceptualize abuse to understand what's happening to them as abuse or you know they might be ashamed like I'm the only one in the world dealing with this so I I shouldn't tell um and that's where education about this topic is so important that's where education in the schools is so important so that kids can understand like hey this is I have language to classify what's happening to me now and that I'm not alone and that I can go to someone about it. But like Rose said, when you suspect abuse, you know, you can, you know, you can still call, you can call the child abuse hotline. Um, and you're, you're completely anonymous, you know, you stay anonymous. They don't tell who did it. Um, and abuse might be founded or not, but at least, you know, you can say you called, but those are some things you can do. And definitely, like Rose said, ask, ask the child too, you know, if, if they are able to tell you. Yeah, and I want to touch on something that Rachel said. Um, it is important to have that education and to have the conversations so it's not just when things are bad. It, it, you want to make sure that kids know that it is safe to talk to you or to talk to another trusted adult like a teacher or a friend's parent or something like that if they are unsafe because it can be that's part of the barrier is feeling is that feeling that like they might just universally be unsafe or no one will believe them or like Rachel said that they're the only one who this has ever happened to. Yeah. And when you do suspect, if you are in a position where you can't ask that child and you are, um, you know, you're, you're that person they can go to, definitely it's okay to be upfront, you know, talk to them at the age level that they are. But when we skirt around these uncomfortable topics, when we make these topics taboo, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to say abuse out loud. We don't want to say Words like, did he hit you? Were you touched? Were you, you know, that's very uncomfortable, but it's more uncomfortable to let it continue to keep quiet. So definitely use as, you know, direct and age appropriate language as you can, you know, not, and, you know, not making the child feel pressured and et cetera, things like that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely okay to begin that conversation and to, you know, sometimes we got to step out of our fear and that and and continue on for that child's best interest yeah that that i think that goes literally right into my next question was how do i talk to a child who shares information that indicates abuse or neglect so uh do you have any other tips or you know good good ideas that people you know can use like you already mentioned the talking to them on their level um but do you guys have any other um ideas just or tips to give uh the public the first thing that i would say is try to maintain as much calm as possible. Because if they see you, an adult, having this big reaction to this thing, and they'll be like, oh, this is scary for them too. And if the adults can't handle it, then there's no one who can, you know, who can help me. Um, and just sort of being very 
very sort of straightforward, like, all right, so thank you for telling me this. Thank you for, you know, for expressing that. And is there, you know, ask, don't ask too many detail questions because that gets a little like an, an interrogation and can get kind of creepy sometimes, especially if you're dealing with like child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they you use the language that they use, we talk about, you know, in doing prevention education about teaching like anatomically accurate body names, body part names, um, because that, I mean, on a DCFS report, that's a far more accurate thing if you're, if you actually have a kid who says those specific things, um, rather than like nicknames that could be, that may not be uh, universal, but if they are using, you know, sort of couched terms, um, then talk to them in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's questions that you're, you know, you're not sure what questions to ask, you know, what, when does this become me asking questions to an interrogation? Where's that line? You know, there's very simple questions you can ask them, like, what happened? When did this happen? Where did it happen? You know, who did it? You know, when, where, why, how? That kind of limits, you know, excruciating detail questions like what Rose said with sexual abuse that can get very uncomfortable for a child and it can make them relive that event and shut down. But if you get, you know, the gist of what it is that happened, where, when, how, you know, then it can kind of avoid that, you know, digging for for details, questioning that you might want to avoid. Um, And some other things to think about is to, you know, avoid things like blame or denial. So things like, why didn't, why didn't you tell me this before? Um, What were you doing over at their house? Um, Are you telling the truth or, you know, denying that it happened? Like that sounds really out there. That sounds crazy. What do you, what do you mean? Um, Just avoid blaming, avoid denial, you know, listen and, you know, be open and not judgmental because, you know, it's very rare that a a kiddo would make something like this up. You know, there have been times where that has happened, where like an abusive parent will coach a child and what to say, but, you know, you can usually tell the difference in these cases. Um, So yeah, I'm kind of rambling. Rose, you got anything else you want (laughs) to add to it? Yeah, I think that is, is such an important thing about it, the fact that this isn't stuff that kids just make up. We think of kids as being unreliable narrators, and sometimes they are. We're all unreliable narrators sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if there is something that is very serious that's happening to them, and you can look for like the kind of knowledge that a kid of that age shouldn't have, because there may be maybe if they see something on tv but you can usually tell the difference between if they're talking about you know zombies or something that happened at home and i i also think another thing that just popped in into my head 
um, when they do disclose, you know, don't make promises that you won't tell anyone, unfortunately, you know, because we, we want to reassure them at that time, you know, it feels so, you know, you want to do everything you can and they're so scared of you telling someone, so you want to reassure them, maybe, you know, that could be our instinct to make them feel better, but don't, don't make that promise that you won't tell anyone because, you know, when there's abuse, you know, that, that's got to be dealt with, that's got to be taken care of. You need a community, whether that comes from other people who are safe or services, um, you know, that's not something that can be dealt with by yourself or definitely by the child self. Yeah, absolutely. So we're kind of, I think, reaching the end. Um, is there anything else, either Rose or Rachel, that you wanted to discuss about um, Child Abuse Prevention Month or anything else that you think would be helpful for people to know about or, or to think about before we leave? Did we go over any signs? Like, you know what? That's a great, that's a great segue. What are some signs um, that maybe people can look out for, um, for both domestic violence and maybe rape crisis? So <laughs> that can be, so I know, yeah, I'm the one who brought it up and it can be difficult whenever it's something like emotional abuse or, you know, mental abuse, you know, there's, when it comes to physical abuse, it can be easier to see sometimes if it's not um, under the clothes or, you know, sexual abuse, that's even can be hard to, to find because, you know, you're not checking certain places if you're a teacher and you're seeing these kids all the time in class. Um, but physical signs, you know, obvious, like continual bruising, um, looking very un unclean and unkept, um, just looking like they were hit with an object of some sort. Not all of these things mean that a child is being abused. It could be, you know, little Timmy fell down in the driveway or, you know, there's other things going on, but there's some things to, to make your ears perk up to look at a little bit. I think when it comes to emotional and mental abuse, depending on your setting, you might see children who are acting like parents in an unusual way. So like being a caretaker to their mother, um, raising their siblings, um, you know, a, a looking like a, like, like the child is the parent that might be something to perk your ears up. Um, Rose, you, can you think of any, any other things? Yeah. Drastic changes in behavior. Mm -hmm. They start acting out, um, or if they start getting really withdrawn, there are times like you expect teenagers to be somewhat withdrawn and to rebel a little bit, but there is, you can tell when it's a little different. Follow your gut on that because it's better mm -hmm. to ask and it be nothing than to let something go. And in terms of physical signs, um, think about the, the parts of the body that, you know, that do bruise easily, like if somebody has bruises on like their knees or other like bony parts mm -hmm. that happens, we all, you know, will fall down or walk into a doorway. I do that a lot. Um, <laughs> but on like the stomach or on the torso in general, um, where there's more tissue, those kinds of bruises are something to look out for. 
um, if they're on multiple planes of the body. So if they're not just, if they don't follow a pattern, like if you fall and scrape both your hands and your knees, mm -hmm. that's a pattern there. But if you are hit or burned in multiple places, it, it won't have that, it won't, you know, it won't look like that. And looking for bruises or lacerations of diff at different uh, healing points. Again, kids fall down. Uh, a lot of us don't quite grow out of that clumsy phase, <laughs> but it's easy to see, not easy, but easier to see if you know what to look for. Yeah, and, and would be coupled with those emotional, you know, signs of maybe being withdrawn, maybe acting out in unusual for that child's way, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be just, you know, you would see a bruise and maybe that's it, you know, definitely like Rose said before, go with your gut because that'll help you. <laughs> that'll help you kind of decipher these situations. And, you know, sometimes our guts are wrong, but it's better to check and make that effort than to let something go by. And, you know, it's a very uncomfortable topic, like we keep saying, um, but, you know, a very important one for us to step up and be a part of. Yeah, I think you guys are absolutely right. Um, it, it's always better to be safe than sorry, 100%. Um, and uh, so I think that that's important for people to try and remember is if they, if they're even thinking about it, like, well, should I, or, well, I mean, there's no harm in calling the hotline um, because no matter what, even if it turns out to be nothing, it's worth a call because it could be something. Um, and even if, you know, nothing happens, uh, I, that's something that I always remembered listening to people talk about the child abuse hotline is even if nothing comes out of it, they still have the information tucked away. Um, so that way, if something does end up happening later on, you've still called and put that information in there. So there's like a history. So I always, I always agree with you guys. That it's like, if you are even slightly thinking about it, just go ahead and, and report it. And the number to call uh, here in Illinois is 1-800-252-2873. And that spells out 1-800-25-ABUSE. Um, if you are nervous about calling, we are all nervous about calling before we do it the first time uh, and sometimes after that. Talk to somebody. If you've got, you know, a friend or family member, you, you can support you through it. It's always good to have more allies. And uh, if you are reporting to DCFS, it's important to know that in terms of abuse and neglect, uh, they will only, uh, the categories that they'll look into are if it's someone who is a caretaker of the child or directly responsible for the child's welfare or within the household. So if it's someone from down the street, that's not, the DCFS won't pick up on that. Um, but if it's a parent, if it's a babysitter, a teacher, a coach, um, or a you know, sibling, cousin, anyone who's in the household, that is, uh, that's their bag. Well, um, this has been a wonderful conversation, guys. Just, you know, thank you so much for 
uh, for talking about these things and for being available to share with um, our community about ways that they can help and kind of what to look out for. Um, I think that anytime people can get this information, it's really helpful. Just as a reminder to everybody listening that, uh, you know, we work for the Women's Center and our services are always 100% free and confidential. Um, we provide 24-7, 365 day services. Our phone number is 1-800-334-2094. That's our crisis line number. And we always just want to thank you guys, you listeners, for joining and supporting survivors of violence and promoting a safer community. So thank you so much for listening to us today. It really means a lot.